my great joy to introduce to you the three musketeers hailing from the land of remote work. We have Marissa, career coach and queen of all. We have Jeff, our sassy SEO shaman. And we have Diego, who has spent his 20s building a community of remote working lunatics. Sure, these folks are going to be the people that will get you beach commute ready. And they'll do it in the most exciting way possible. So, happy listening. Hello, welcome to the Digital Nomad Experts podcast. Today, I'm joined by a super special guest. His name is Oris Zub. He is in Ukraine right now. And for those of you listening, we are in the heart of everything going on between Ukraine and Russia. So a very timely episode. And I'm super excited to speak to Oris, who's a digital nomad as well. And we've been connected through some of our personal networks. So Oris, welcome to the podcast today. Hello, Marisa. Thanks for having me. And it's really nice uh, nice to hear you. And thanks for giving the opportunity to speak to the global uh, digital nomad community on the matter of war in Ukraine. I think this yeah. is something that everybody has to closely pay attention to because it really affects the future of our life. Absolutely. A big impact in the world, not only, like you said, for Ukraine and Russia, but globally. So for this particular podcast, I want to talk a lot about what you're seeing on the ground there, what you're feeling about everything, your inter- interpretation of everything. But for this podcast, when we when we interview all of our digital nomad friends and, and people that we meet, I think it's really fascinating to hear your story. So before we dig into that, if if you could give a little bit of background of how you became a digital nomad and sort of last couple of years before we get to the present moment. Sure. So at the moment, I visited over 120 countries around the world. Like, to be precise, it's 129. And, that um, is actually, amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually, I became, I slowed down a little bit when the COVID hit the, the world, you know. But before that, I was making, in the last decade, at least 10 new countries a year. So that was my normal pace of, of traveling and uh, working remotely. So I became a digital nomad actually like long before the term became a mainstream, <laughs> uh, probably around 2015, 14, you know, all these like digital nomad events started to take place around the world. And when I read one of the, one of a few, uh, you know, like headlines and so on, and then I thought like, oh, that's actually what I'm doing for five years already. <laughs> You didn't even know yeah. what you were doing. You were just starting yes, doing it. Yes. Uh, so you started so, closer to like 2009, 2010. Is that accurate? Um, okay. I, I definitely the dream to travel the world to to work remotely was planted in my head uh, it, it, even like from the 2000s. Wow. Uh, but I can say that uh, the I started to be like a digital nomad in a classic sense when you work online when you, uh, your finances sustain your, your travel lifestyle in 2012. Definitely, there was some time, you know, for the, um, for, for the prearrangements uh, to reach this point. But since 2012, I am, you know, like you can tell I'm like full, full stack digital nomad. But as I told, all the way from the middle of 2000s, when I was still a student in the university, I was already on track, on, on traveling, exploring the world, and using different opportunities, you know, just to, to, to see something new in terms of, you know, international conferences, meeting new people, or simply just going on the extended trip. 
So, and how did you, so that's early on to get the travel bug. And as you said, you were way ahead of the curve of even knowing what this was or that it was possible. So sort of two questions here. How did you get the travel bug? So you're growing up in Ukraine. How did you decide you wanted to attend these international events and, and travel the world? And then how did you start to learn that you could do that remotely while making an income? Okay, that's a good question. So my parents met each other in the travel club of their university. Oh, amazing. <laughs> so you had it in your blood. <laughs> Before I was born. So I'm talking about the middle of the 80s. You know, it still was Soviet Union. Uh, my father was the leader of that travel club. And uh, they traveled uh, all around the Soviet Union, you know, conquering different mountains and, and doing some wow. really, really cool explorations. <laughs> so uh, it's probably in my gene <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> Uh, then, uh, then like very important thing happened. You know, Ukraine became independent in 1991, and for such a new country, for the new economy, uh, things were tough uh, for, for everybody. You know, like the you, people just started to build up their capital. They started to understand what the market economy is. My parents uh, were like young entrepreneurs. Since they had a background on tourism, they started to, to, to do what they knew how to do. So they started a small travel agency here in Ukraine mm. back in, in, in the beginning of the 90s. And they were usually serving Ukrainian diaspora, like Ukrainians from all around the world who started coming to Ukraine after the, after the fall of the Iron Curtain, you know. Yeah. And the advantage there was that my mother was studying journalism in the university and she had access to English language courses in her university during Soviet times, which was pretty unique uh, position to be. So she, she's fluent in English of the older generation in Ukraine, which is, which is unique. And uh, they understood uh, the, um, the necessity uh, and the importance of uh, knowing English language from early like, years of my life. Also, they understood uh, that uh, one of the best investments uh, is investment into education, uh, not buying like a brand new car, uh, right. as many people usually do in developing countries when they, once they, you know, reach the point that their basic uh, necessities are covered. So even from the school times, uh, I was sent every summer to some international um, uh, camps for children like for example i spent five times in a row in the 90s when i was in my early teens in slovakia in the, in the mountain camp you know where there were children from other countries from central europe and the main topic there was study english so we were studying english for a couple of couple um, hours in a, in a in a day and then you know some other like mountaineering or sport activities so that definitely played a role and uh, yeah, like they, they just paid a lot of attention in my childhood to me, on my sister, on my second sister, in terms of, you know, being more educated, more intelligent person, as opposed to, you know, running, like going the main flow, uh, right. which was happening. So that played a role. And then during the university times, uh, when I, I was studying law in, in Lviv, it was already like adult enough so it's possible to it was, was possible for me to participate on the international scale and apply for different scholarship programs you know uh, participate in different youth exchange uh, so that all it was like kind of building up on its own so by the end of the university i around 30 countries only in europe right. because, because it was like possible due to my studying curriculum and after university uh, i went to do a couple of internships abroad and one of mm -hmm. them was 
internship in India. And that actually answers your second question. Okay. Uh, but where did they catch the travel bug? So yeah. I'm talking about 2010 in India, you know, the, the time, it was like the before smartphone time. Time. Yeah. Like in order to uh, log in, you had to go to the, you had to use Wi-Fi with your laptop if you had one. Otherwise, it's internet cafe. So th th that's the time I'm talking about. Uh, traveling was with paper books of Lonely Planet back then. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so when I traveled around India, uh, I went to these like Himalayas, you know, this Manali and other stuff. And there, and there, I've seen people who, who usually like Israeli or people from Australia or United States, that they were doing something on their laptops. I, I, didn't, mm -hmm. I didn't have any idea what it was, but all of them, they were in flip-flops. They were like <laughs> looking guys, you know, smoking weed, sitting high up in the Himalayas and doing something on their laptops. <laughs> I thought like, wow, like, I don't know what they are doing. All of them have these small backpacks, just a laptop and really like feeling uh, free, at least spiritually. I thought, okay, so once I'm done with my internship in India, this will be my single biggest uh, challenge uh, after coming back to Ukraine to find a way to do this, what those guys are doing, you know, to, to, to travel the world and work online. And uh, it took me two years to figure things out. And uh, since 2012, uh, yeah, I am I, actually a digital nomad. So that's, that's the long story short. I love that. I love the inspiration. And it's always so fun to hear one, how people decided they wanted to travel and two, especially doing this for so long before it was really a big thing, how mm. you discovered it. So I love the story of the people in India, just seeing that they feel they felt free and, and you wanted to as well. So can you share what type of work you started doing in 2012 when you found, so it took you two years, what were you kind of doing before? And then what did you sure, transition sure. So into? I mm -hmm. So I came back from India in late 2010. It, like at the same time I met my uh, wife, we, we started dating with Marta all the way back then. And, you know, now we are married and we are together. And even though now during the war, mm, most of the females from my family evacuated abroad, uh, my, my wife stays here with me in Lviv. So we are pretty like close let's mm -hmm. put it that way. So my uh, first idea, so, okay, like you come and I'm a lawyer, you know, it's absolutely like no tech background, like nothing. In order to pursue my career, I started working in the um, human rights uh, ombudsman office in Ukraine, because that is something I uh, knew how to do since I'm a um, uh, qualified lawyer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and also I see that if I take the, 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 the road of the human rights, this will enable me to travel around the world, visiting different conflict zones, you know, resolve some really important issues uh, for, for the humanity. But it appeared to be not so easy <laughs> to apply <laughs> some United Nations programs or, or other stuff. And also, I started to feel more and more stuck here in Ukraine because it's, you know, 10 years ago, it was still like pretty corrupted country. And uh, when you deal with the human rights, yeah. police, it's just dirt all around. So mm, I, I decided, no, that's not the way I want to do. And uh, like the key point here is that if you find yourself in some kind of environment, and uh, you understand that you will be boiling, you'll be, you'll be in this environment for quite some time, uh, take a look on your colleagues, on other people who are on this position for like a decade, for example. This will 
this may mm, draw draw a picture where you will be more likely at the same period of time and uh, that perspective didn't encourage me at all <laughs> so uh, so i decided to do something else and then mm, i started like you know listening to the podcasts reading different how to make money online stuff <laughs> and, you know, everybody was uh, starting from there yeah uh, but uh, since i consider myself at least to be the person based on values I didn't look for the shortcut. I, I was looking for like the real stuff, you know. So yeah. the real stuff is that uh, you have to produce some kind of value that other people would be willing to pay for. You know, this is the the real stuff, uh, not clicking or, or other uh, stupid things to do. And yeah. when I position myself, like, okay, what can I do online? Like, what assets do I have? Uh, I I know English language. I I was already like working as the part-time guide in, in in Ukraine during the student times. I know Ukraine. I have some connections here. So why don't I uh, write a, a website like the online? It's, you can call it, it's not even a blog. It's rather like a, a online travel guide in English mm-hmm. language about Ukraine. So I started every day just simply write, writing articles in English language, how to buy a train ticket, how to travel from point B to point C, how to cross this border, how to cross that border. You know, I started filling the the, the vacuum of useful, like how to information about traveling around Ukraine. And I must say it was very, very lucky for me because the time was just perfect. Yeah. Uh, if you remember in uh, summer 2012, Ukraine was hosting European football championship together with Poland. So there was it's like the third biggest sport event in the world after yeah. the after the both Olympics, right? Uh, and there was no information how to do this stuff. There was all, there were only like travel agencies all around that were offering selling. They were offering I will buy for you, I will guide you, I will book accommodation for you and so on. But there was there was no information how to do it by yourself. Right. Back then. And since Ukraine was still like pretty like developing state by then, there is, you know, anticipation in the poorer countries that if there is one month event that the entire world will come, we will use this as effectively as possible to get as money as possible from this time. It's like, you know, if you do, if you, if you find yourself in some third world country on the bus station, you know, you, you understand what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Everybody immediately starts to help you. Yes. Of course, for different uh, reasons. <laughs> so that was kind of this anticipation in Ukraine. So I understood I'm not going to beat the market and I'm not going to uh, compete on the level of direct sales. So in order to establish relations, I have to make one step further. And this step further, eventually I result with the good quality content. So I started to produce good quality content. Traffic started to grow. People started to refer to me. The website in, in a matter of month got like pretty decent traffic. Uh, and But I still didn't have money. <laughs> I, like, people were like writing me, thank you, such a beautiful website. So helpful. <laughs> uh, but I was like, okay, where is the money? <laughs> uh, so, and then one man, I remember he wrote to me and he told Oris, like, beautiful resource, everything valuable, but like, is it possible that you organize everything for me? So he just sent me the dates 
of uh, the football games that he was about to, to join. And I'm talking about the vast area of Ukraine. Ukraine is the largest uh, European country by land. So I had those dates of his football matches and the rest were on me. Flights, accommodation, transfers, you know, like all the stuff. Right. Uh, so it took me like maybe two days to coordinate, to create a plan and to make all the settlements uh, for this person. He, I remember him very well. He was from Mexico, like uh, mm -hmm. some businessman from Mexico. And in these two days, I earned like my monthly, my monthly normal salary. Wow. Yeah. And I thought like, oh, wow. Okay. Like that's, that's probably the way to go. So as soon as I started offering uh, particular services on the website, uh, situation completely changed for me. And uh, yeah, it was like the birth of the new business of the, tra of the regular travel business. Mm -hmm. And the idea was I, I had some background. I created content. I established relations Uh, b before people, before asking for any uh, money. And once you have these things in order, once the, uh, you have this like step-by-step -step process, you know, platform, contact, relations, then the monetary part is just a formality because people already understand yeah. you, they know you and so on, yeah? It was pretty successful time for myself, even though I never had any entrepreneurial approach, like experience before uh, in my life. So, and after the football championship finished, yeah, this was like operating as the normal online uh, travel resource on traveling around Ukraine as a travel agency. And usually every summer I was very busy, uh, you know, doing the, the tour services and every winter starting from October all the way Easter, I was like, you know, going backpacking to different areas around the world, which is like how many digital nomad people start, you know, they just right. go to the Southeast Asia or Central America and so on. So that, that was my first business. And uh, in 2014, uh, as you might know, Russia invaded Ukraine. So this is also an important topic. The war with Russia didn't start like three weeks ago. It <laughs> actually started in 2014 when Russia occupied Crimea and when they started the open war in Donbass in the east. Uh, now it's just like the, the, the terrible escalation of events started eight years ago. So when this event started, obviously uh, it killed the entire travel industry in the country. Right. Uh, and I had to change something. Fortunately, by then I already knew and understood enough about online marketing, about online business, about uh, all types of features to promote your own online resource. Yes. And I started blog openmind.com.ua, which is a Ukrainian language uh, blog about self-help topics, about traveling, since I was already on track, I was already traveling, uh, and about online business, yes? And mm -hmm. that's how I, you know, I, I probably became one of the, the first digital nomads in Ukraine who started to uh, speak about this, you know, loudly in the local uh, sphere, yeah. events, uh, shaping this community here, yeah. That's amazing. And is that what you're still doing today? Yes, yes. I, I can say that, like, you know, my activity matured a lot since then yeah. uh, because um, I started traveling already. It, it became, like, much more normal, you know. Uh, you, I started to put, like, some more goals, like visiting every country in the world, not just, you know, traveling with the backpack in, in Southeast right. Asia. You know, other business ventures around, like, surround this activity. Uh, I, I, I also did, like, the membership consulting program. 
because my audience grew, like at the moment I have over 130,000 people of my audience. This also, I mean, definitely makes me possible to approach like some bigger companies and make some large endorsements. So, yeah. you know, it's uh, it all went uh, naturally, organically. If you just put the work in, you, you definitely see the result of all of that. So that was my main priority all the way. Uh, I started, I registered company in Estonia. I started to cooperate with them to be like a face, not, not the face, but the representative, let's say, of their activities in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Very, very uh, interesting projects in general. Uh, yeah. Uh, but now, definitely, when this war started, you remember 2022, uh, 24th of February, Russia attacked Ukraine with uh, 70 different bombings all around the country, which is mind-blowing. And now we have a terrible, like, one of the worst wars since World War II which is still impossible to process, actually, for me. Most of the business activity in Ukraine stopped. And I had an organized team by then already. You know, all my team remote. People are, some of them abroad, some of them here. So we completely reorganized our business, our processes towards the war needs. Yes, so we Mm -hmm. decided, okay, let's continue doing what we are doing well, what we understand how to do. And we started to create uh, content in English language to inform the international society about things that are happening in Ukraine. We are not uh, trying to uh, compete with the largest media, loud headlines and showing the same pictures of people crying that everybody already seen. We focus, like we follow the same road that I did with Ukraine Travel Secrets uh, website 10 years ago, meaning local perspective relations and trust like that's what we are doing uh producing content about uh, things from our own perspective here and uh, i must say that uh, we reorganized pretty quickly in a couple of days and Amazing. there are some good results at the moment uh, even for a short period of time uh, approximately four to three hours a day i spent on such podcasts i give lectures to, to students in singapore participate in the like a geopolitical forum in Taiwan or, or just speak with somebody in the US, you know. So my yeah. mission in this war is to engage my international network, which I was building for decade, yeah. is to use my skills in media. And, uh, you know, that that's my contribution. Uh, and this is the, the point where I feel I can make the biggest impact. Yeah, I'm so glad. So we had connected through a Nomad event that we were both part of, I guess it was last year already. And I love the Digital Nomad Network because it allows people like you and I to connect. And it's such a a small world. And I'm super excited to get your firsthand opinion today. As you said, you know, people can see different big media outlets and there's, you know, forced titles and, and just viewpoints that are going to be pushed. But in my belief, one of my, I get goosebumps talking, you know, one of my favorite parts and and most important parts of travel is meeting people from all over the world and understanding firsthand one person's stories and experiences. And as an example, so I'm here in Mauritius right now, which is off the coast of Africa. And for the last month, I've been with two people actually from Russia. And just to hear firsthand, you know, one person, for example, she has no access to any, you know, from Russia, any of her bank accounts anymore, how to withdraw cash. So it's, it's those real stories that just help you to understand what's really going on in a country. So I'd love if you could share 
where you were, you know, in the days, weeks leading up to, you know, before everything happened just a couple of weeks ago and what it's been like for you the last couple of weeks. And I know you're, you're helping and doing everything you can. And, mm-hmm. and this is your way to, to contribute as well. But if you could just sort of share personally why you decided to stay in Ukraine and help and, and what it's really been like on the ground for you personally. So before uh, the invasion started, I was living my normal business, uh, digital nomad life. Yeah. You know, traveling for five, six to for five to six months a year <laughs> yeah. around the world, uh, developing my projects, making like really cool plans uh, for f- for the future, and I'm still do so. Uh, I mean, so just I really feel comfortable having an amazing, amazing life. Yeah. And um, I was speaking with one of my friends maybe let's say two months ago. It's a German expat living in Ukraine, you know, and. Sometimes we go really deep philosophically with him mm-hmm. and we started like fantasizing, like, you know, like, what do you regret? What do, what would you do? And I told to him like, well, if there is an asteroid coming tomorrow, <laughs> I'm absolutely fine. Like, I mean, I have nothing to regret. I had, yeah. I'm living an amazing life. I really, uh, I'm very yeah. grateful for that. Yeah. Uh, even though I'm from Ukraine, I am like hundred percent sure uh, that not even 1% population of the first world countries don't have such a life as I was fortunate to have. Like I'm completely confident in that. Yeah. So when the situation was heating up, I was, you know, traveling and for for quite a few months, you know, it was already uh, anticipating, right? And uh, knowing the history, I clearly understood that it will start. I, I didn't uh, realize uh, what how it will develop or which right. kind of uh, sufferings and feelings that we will have to go through. But from the history books, you understand, okay, there will be a spike and it will be a war, definitely. Yeah. So uh, I was like on alert, but something I clearly knew uh, even before the war started is that I will be part of it. Like I'm not going mm. to run away. I will be participating in the resistance, 100%. Why? Because I definitely, I clearly remember 2014 when there was a revolution in Ukraine, when there were shootings on the streets and when Russia invaded Ukraine first time. I was in Mexico. I was traveling, backpacking in Mexico, you know, Puertos Contido, surfing, <laughs> smoking weed. Amazing, t- ama- amazing, like a, <laughs> the most classic beach bum life yeah. is possible. It was in Puertos Contido, really. And uh, I felt terrible because mm. you, you watch this online, you don't know what's happening, you feel detached, yeah. all, all your friends, family are here, you're anxious. That was terrible. Uh, so I thought, like, I'm not going to go through this again. I will be participating. So, yeah, so I arrived. Uh, my last flight to Ukraine was maybe four or five days before the actual war started. Mm. I was in Azerbaijan. I was visiting Karabakh. I was visiting the area which is devastated after the the war between Armenia and Karabakh. And uh, there was a group of other like high-profile geopolitical bloggers and journalists from around the world. There are supposed to be a couple of people on my flight from Baku to Kiev and then onwards somewhere else. None of them took the flight. I was the only one. And uh, they told me like, Orest, don't sit on that plane. But I knew exactly where I was mm. going. So, uh, I took the plane and uh, yeah. And the, the evening 
before the war started, I was having like, you know, four euro cappuccino with my friend in a nice cafe that we have plenty of those here in Lviv. And we were talking about our business ventures and, and app development. And then at 5 a.m. he's calling me and telling me, Orest, it started. So just for you, for you to see the perspective, how the entire life can change overnight. Yeah. So yeah. when it started, yeah, when it started, now like I can think more clearly comparing to three weeks ago on the first days when it was, when it was just happening. Yeah. You can say that, first of all, the, the person who never experienced a war in real life can never understand it. Like even the best, even the best from Hollywood that, you know, show all the like the, the, the anger and the ter- terrible things of the war cannot pass this feeling uh, to the first pers- person. Yeah. Like the screens cannot, cannot do it for you. So it's really scary. Like if you stay in the country, in the huge country, it's not possible to pass the feeling of the war through the screen. Even when I uh, visited Karabakh, you know, or I also visited other conflict areas around the world. I've been to Palestine. I've been to Iraqi Kurdistan in the north. You know, I've been to Kashmir in India. It's still, you know, uh, you visit, you see some ruins around, you see some, you know, people trying to do their best to survive. You walk around, maybe you feel it a little bit. But you still you leave and you forget about this. Yeah. But uh, when this happens in your home, oh wow! And uh, your, your loved ones, your people you know are in danger. You're in danger. And when there is the necessity to flee, that's like a really bad feeling. Yeah. Um, so just imagine um, you live in a amazing, uh, you know, prosperous city like where I live. Lviv is one of the coolest towns in, in Central Europe, in, and it's true. Almost one million population, amazing restaurant scene, you know, architecture from, from medieval time and the Austrian period, like super, super, like classic, cent, nice Central European city. And then there are bombings happening through the vast area of Ukraine, which is almost twice the size of Germany, all around. So once you have this feeling, and then you think like, okay, Maybe the next missile will go directly into me. And people, 40 million people, think the same. Yeah. So what happens is this massive chaos. People rush to the ATMs. They go into the supermarkets to buy everything they can. Uh, huge uh, traffic on the streets. Uh, lines to refill the car for petrol in case they have to run. You cannot get, like, in a couple of hours, there is shortage of cash in the ATMs. Um, People, uh, especially from the east, which is bordering Russia, they, like, in a matter of hours, they grab everything they can carry, throw in the car, and start driving west. And millions of people doing this. So traffic jams for hundreds of kilometers are stuck in traffic. People who don't have cars, they, you know, try to get some train tickets, but it's impossible to do so. So they attack trains to hop on the train to, to mm-hmm. run as far as possible. I, I, I mean, the, the world didn't see such huge movement of people f- for a long time already. And I'm talking yeah. about the big scale. Ukraine is a, is a huge country. Then every 
few hours or so, there are airstrike alarms. So uh, you have to go down to the bunker. Uh, I, I felt terrible because of that. But what, what to tell if they're like families with children? You have to explain children why you go down. You have this like sound like all around the city. Yeah? Yeah. You go to the bunker. There are no facilities. Everybody's scared. Um, so, so this like situation happened for first couple of days. And within the matter, I think, of week, over a, mil- over a million people fled Ukraine through the mm-hmm. borders. And at the moment, in three weeks, like over three million already fled. Yeah. So you can even imagine what is the pressure for the border checkpoints. And there are traffic jams. People had to wait like 30 hours yeah. in line, you know. And my family had to flee. All the females from my family, like my mother, both of my sister and my nephew, like the son, the two-year-old son of my yeah. sister, uh, for three for three days, they were traveling around Western Ukraine in order to find a feasible option for the checkpoint to cross the border. Yeah. And this is like winter. You have to sleep somewhere. Uh, all accommodation in Western Ukraine is fully booked. Absolutely. Right. Like in my city, there are... 200,000 refugees at the moment. Can you imagine the like quarter population is ref- are refugees? Yeah. So the city is packed. And uh, then, you know, all these like shellings in the east, like when the land invasion started to go, the shellings in the east, like this, this is probably the most terrible, when they simply shoot and, and destroy buildings, you know, yeah. and uh, the casualties are thousands now. And this is 21st century. Like, I can, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Thank you for, for sharing all of that. And again, yeah. I think hearing firsthand, you can see pictures on news. And I think you said it beautifully. Unless you, you know, you can see pictures, you, we can even hear you. And unless you're there living it, you don't, you can't feel the fear no. and feel, no. you know, the, the, devastation of what's going on around you. So in your situation now, it's, it's been several weeks. What does it feel like there now? And for people who might be wondering how they can support someone like you or your family or the people in your town or anyone in your country, what can we do from the outside to help? Okay. So first of all, I am, I'm, I'm in a privileged position to be because yeah. I'm in Lviv. This is the westernmost large city. At the moment, Lviv became the hub of Ukraine. So all the embassies, all the journalists, all the the top management of the governmental companies, they all moved here. Yeah. So there is a large presence of of, of army, security, uh, and our airport is the this is one of a few airports that is not unbombed in the country at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's lively. So uh, the restaurants are open, shops are open. Uh, it's possible to get food there is a shortage of technology. Like, for example, like getting an iPhone, now it's a problem, you know, yeah. or uh, I had to, because I was, I started to produce uh, content. I had to ask my friends in Poland to buy like the special microphones that I need mm-hmm. for this interaction and so on. So this is still happening, but life is is going on. People, people are such an interesting creatures that they adjust very quickly. Mm-hmm. I must tell you, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so far it feels fine. Yesterday, there was a huge missile attack on the military base not far from our city. So there were like 30 missiles launched 
from from yeah. from the Black Sea area, and only eight of them really like targeted the military base. So the rest were you know blocked by other like defensive missiles that right. we have. Here. But even like with this kind of like outcome, I think like thirty five people were dead like immediately and almost 200 wounded. I'm not sure what yeah. the results are. It was like, it was a pretty large uh, attack. But it, like, if this attack happens on the city, that would be terrible. But it was right. on the military facility outside the city. Right. So uh, it, it doesn't put you, like, it, it still makes you feel that you're not safe uh, at all, right? E- eventually. But the lives goes on. I mean, we continue working. Uh, my team continues working. Every day I meet some, you know, I, I make a story of my own life or I meet some volunteers or I speak with journalists from other countries. So my job is that I am uh, documenting a, a piece of this historical period that is valuable in terms of showing what is the actual situation now here. Mm-hmm. And I believe it will serve for future generations because when this war is over, children all around the school will study this as yeah. the most, one of the most dramatic events of the 21st century. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's, let's see what will happen next. Uh, there are heavy fightings daily happening in the east of Ukraine. The Russian army is advancing on some points. At some and other points, Ukrainian army kicks them back. Everybody is super united. The spirit is very high. Everybody believes in our victory. And we really um, receive a lot of support from the, from the world. Like, not, never ever in the human history, there was a situation when the entire world united uh, yeah. for one country and really sanctioned another country, right? So yeah. it's unprecedented. But this became possible only after Ukrainians made their resistance first. So after the initial bombings that happened and the land invasion, like everybody thought Ukraine will not last even a week. Right. Everybody. But once we, you know, did the best we can and the world seen that this underdog is like fighting, fighting, doing like he's doing everything, we started to receive support. And this support what's happening now is tremendous. It's like humanitarian aid, is economical sanctions, is military support. Definitely is 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 is, is like it's unbelievable. Like yeah. n- nobody expected this, right? Mm-hmm. So we are super grateful even for this. Obviously, we have to extend uh, this and we have to strengthen our cooperation because at the moment Ukraine serves as the shield for the entire civilized world, and uh, the the civilized world. Uh, under- starts to understand this. If Ukraine will fall, the the evil might knock the next door to the West. Right. And this is not definitely the position that uh, European Union wants to be in. Yeah. So uh, what nomads can do is, first of all, spread the word. This yeah. is very important. Join uh, rallies in your cities to continue telling about this. Speak like me to other digital nomads in your network. Give jobs to Ukrainian remote uh, workers. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the, like support some projects. Uh, I can also follow a links to this podcast That'd so people okay. can walk through. Yeah, there is like a, the range of resources 
how you can help Ukraine as you are a foreigner. And there is like a huge list of different initiatives. So simply choose which resonates to you, right? What works uh, better for you. And using this opportunity, I would also tell that uh, please consider uh, supporting my activity directly. Yeah, uh, because my digital company business uh, like really like went down in, in a day and we, we had some resources to reorganize. I'm maintaining my team. So because they also have to live for something. And uh, I see we are doing pretty, pretty good job at the moment. As I told, I see res- results in the probably in a day or two, uh, I will reach the point that my YouTube channel will be valid for monetization, you know, because you have to reach a certain amount of hours right. uh, after it has been started. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm doing uh, also many different uh, activities and following the link below, please follow. It's explained what I'm doing and what are the options uh, to, to support. So, yeah, invite me to your podcast. I'll be talking about this. I already tell that I have some arrangements with the live meetings for nomads around the world where I'll be speaking about this. Because regarding of the outcome in Ukraine, it will depend, like, are, are we going to be able to travel that free as we used to do before mm-hmm. in general, you know? And I really hope that uh, the world will be a better place once this war is over. Yeah. Well, I love your optimism. And I, it's just so great to hear the story. And I think you nailed it again. It's It's really neat to see the whole world rallying behind Ukraine, because I think, you know, I can't speak for everyone, of course, but so many people really are seeing if if this happens in Ukraine, how that will have a ripple effect on, on other countries and the world in general. And I will absolutely include, if you can send me afterwards, all the different links where people can donate or hire people in Ukraine for other remote jobs. And of course, anything that you're doing, your YouTube channel, your stories, anywhere else you want to send us to to support you would be great. So if you're listening, check the show notes for that. And Oris, any last words for, for someone who might be listening on, yeah, just any of your, your viewpoint, what's going on, what to think, how people can help. Last words of wisdom. Last words of wisdom. <laughs> I think uh, the history already showed that uh, if the evil, in Ukraine we tell, If you let the pig inside your house, it will end up on your table. So the history showed that if you let um, the evil, you know, plant a seed and further grow, it will continue to do so until you stop it. And this is in the interest of, of everybody to stop it on the early stage. Yeah. Unless it went too far. Frankly speaking, with the situation in Ukraine, it's already way beyond far. Nobody could expect it will go that far. But even though it's too late, even though it's um, very far, like now we have to stop it. We have to do everything to stop this war because it will simply cause more problems, more human lives. And... In the, in the wild dreams, we cannot even imagine how it can develop and escalate. And the consequences can be very, very terrible. So it's necessary to stop it on the as early stage as possible. And the same yeah. happens in, in a normal life routine. If you see somebody is, is trying to take over or somebody is taking advantage and it's not really good, 
stop this person on the early stage. Perfect. Wonderful words of wisdom. Thank you, Oris, for joining us today, for sharing your story, and for anyone listening. Again, check out those links that we'll include in the show notes if you want to support Oris or Ukraine or anybody in general in this situation. And we'll see you next week. Bye. I hope that you enjoyed this episode with Orest. For me as a digital nomad, I've been traveling the world for over five years, visiting over 70 countries. And not only is it amazing to see new destinations and get to new countries and beautiful places in the world, but honestly, the most impactful part of all of my travels has been meeting people from all over the world, not just people in the local countries, but other digital nomads who are traveling too, which is how Orest and I were able to connect. And it gives me a firsthand glance into what's really going on firsthand in someone's perspective in their home country instead of just hearing the news. So I hope that you enjoyed us sharing this episode with you. And again, if you feel called to help, feel free to check out those resources that were shared in our show notes. And I really loved his message about finding your own lane to help, right? For him, it's through his YouTube channel and the media and his skill sets. For us at Beach Commute, we're gonna partner with Oris to share our Go Remote Employment course, which helps people to find remote jobs so that people in Ukraine and his community are able to better find remote jobs. So if you so feel called to do, yeah, think through what feels like the best way that you can help in any way, in any form, again, if you're called to. So I hope that you enjoyed this episode and we will see you back next week. Oh, 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 oh